fact, why I'm smiling to myself, because this is the mathematics of bell ringing. Knight's mathematician and associate professor at the School of Mathematics and Statistics at Victoria University of Wellington, Dylan Mayhew, joins us once again. Kia ora, Dylan. Kia ora. How are you doing? How are you doing in the capital? Well, um, we're relatively dry and um, we're not too cold. So I hope that everybody up north is keeping safe and warm. Why I was smiling before, because I didn't realise there was maths and bell ringing. Yeah, no, it's, it doesn't seem very mathematical, does it? But I, I actually really like this. It's one of those occasions where people who are working on solving a particular problem have accidentally sort of stumbled into something that is entirely mathematical. And the people who were, you know, inventing these methods of bell ringing, I'm sure they'd never thought of themselves as mathematicians, but they were absolutely working on mathematical problems. And in fact, they were working on mathematical problems well before mainstream mathematics really came to embrace those types of problems. So I like the the history of this uh, and, and the fact that the, the problems of bell ringing really predated the mathematics that describes that problem. Is there a problem? <laughs> let's talk about well, it. We, yes, right. well, let's, let's, let's talk about what the problem is. So, I mean, the idea is that uh, you have a cathedral or a church with a number of bells in it, and you want to ring those bells in some particular order. You don't want them all ringing at the same time. You want them ringing in, in sequence. You've and, got... of course, there are multiple different sequences that you could ring those bells in. Okay, you've got three sequences. You've got some audio for us to play, uh, to play for us. Should, should, we talk about, right. should we talk about the first one? Yeah, so let's start by imagining that we've got three bells. So they'd be in a descending scale. So the tradition is that the highest bell is given the number one, and the lowest bell is given the number three, and the middle bell is given the number two. Uh, of course, most churches or cathedrals will have more than three bells, but it seems like a good idea to start with a, with a toy example. Okay, so you've got these three bells, and you want to play all three of them in some order. So the obvious order is one, two, three. That's going from highest to lowest. So like ding, dong, ding. But... There are plenty of other different orders you could play those three bells in, like ding dong dong. Uh, now, how many different orders are there? So this is a very elementary problem in what we now call the branch of mathematics uh, combinatorics. Combinatorics is the branch of mathematics where you're trying to count the number of arrangements of this sort. So as, as just a, a warm-up exercise, maybe we can try and figure out how many different ways can we arrange or order our three bells. Okay, so um, let's think about how many different ways we could choose the first bell in the ordering. Well, there are three bells, right? So we've got a choice of three. Okay, let's move on. Now we need to think about choosing our second bell in the ordering. We don't have three choices anymore because we've already used one bell that was the first in the order. We can't reuse it. 
So we're down to two. We have a choice of only two bells for the second bell in our ordering. And then we think about how many ways can we choose the third bell in our ordering? Well, there's only one bell left. We've already used two of them. Okay, so we have only one choice for the final bell, the third bell. So we had three choices for the first. We had two choices for the second. We had one choice for the third. And the total number of ways we can choose the ordering of the bells is the product of those numbers. So it's the number we get by multiplying them together. So that's three times two times one. So what we have just discovered is that there are three times two times one, that's six ways of ordering our three bells. Mm, okay. Yes, so, that's quite simple to understand. Makes sense so far, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. So we have six possible ways of displaying those orderings. And one of the things that early bell ringers decided they wanted to do is that they wanted to get through all six of those orderings in the case where you have three bells. They wanted to get through all six of them without any repetitions. Okay, so, I mean, fair enough. I just generated at random uh, a completely random ordering of those six possible sequences, and I put it in our first audio file. So maybe we could take a listen to that. That sounded very nice. Right. Okay. Good. Um, so now that sounds fine, but the early bell ringers settled on a rule, uh, and that random sequencing that I just gave you uh, breaks that rule. And it's a little bit complicated to explain, but but it does make sense when you think about it. So. The rule that the early bell ring is settled on is that if you are playing a particular bell, then your position in that ordering cannot change too much from one ordering to the next ordering. So that sounds a little bit abstract, so I'll try and make it more concrete. So imagine that you're in charge of a particular bell and that in this particular ordering, you come first in the order. Okay, well then, in the next ordering, you shouldn't have moved too far from that position. So you were in the first position, you can't jump into third position or fourth position if we have more than three bells or fifth position or, or anything like that. You can stay in the first position or you can shift to the second position but you can't move further than that. Now, the ordering that I gave you in that, that random ordering, it breaks that rule because that ordering went like this. So my first ordering was one, two, three. And then my second ordering was one, three, two. And then after that, I had two, three, one. Oh, and I've just broken that rule. So I went from one, three, two to two, three, one. And let's think about what bell number one has done. Bell number one was first in the position, first in the ordering, one, three, two. Bell number one is first. Next up, I had two, three, one. Bell number one is last. It jumped from first position 
to third position is not allowed to do that. So that random sequence that I gave you broke the fundamental rule of bell ringing. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I mean, to my <laughs> ear, it, it, I'm not sure how serious that is, but, you know, there are centuries of bell ringers who have agreed upon this rule and so um, and that sequence that i just gave you uh, broke those rules so um maybe if you're an experienced bell ringer you would find the sequence that i gave you quite unpleasant to the air i don't think i really know enough or i'm not experienced enough about the the art of bell ringing to notice that kind of subtlety but maybe maybe experienced bell ringers can okay but then so what we've got is a, a question which is very solidly in the realm of combinatorics. Combinatorics is the branch of mathematics that tries to solve problems like this. You try to arrange uh, objects in a certain way and you create certain rules for you, for yourself. And that's exactly what we've done here. What we are trying to do is we're trying to get through all possible orderings of the bells. A mathematician would say all possible permutations of the bells. But we've made this rule that says that no bell is allowed to jump too far from one ordering to the next ordering. It is, its position is not allowed to change too much. So then you ask, okay, well, assuming that we obey this rule, can we get through all six? And yeah, the answer is yes, we can. And there's actually quite a nice symmetric way of doing it. So if we obey the rule that no bell is allowed to jump too far, going from one ordering to the next, there are really only two things we can do as we go from one ordering to the next. And the only two things we can do are we can swap the first two bells or we can swap the last two bells. Okay, so let's see how that would work. Uh, so we start with the ordering one, two, three. That's the descending scale. It's traditional to start with that descending scale. Now I'm going to swap the first two bells. Okay, so instead of one, two, three, I now have two, one, three. Okay, great. Now I'm going to swap the last two bells. So instead of two, one, three, I have two, three, one. I swapped the last two. And then I'll swap the first two again. So instead of two, three, one, I have three, two, one. And then I'll swap the last two. So instead of three, two, one, I have three, one, two. And we continue on in this way, swapping the first two and then swapping the second two and then swapping the first two, swapping the second two and so forth until we get back to the to the original descending scale and that's our second audio file so maybe we'll take a listen to that sounded rather nice as well i i i, I mean Maybe I'm fooling myself, but I actually think it sounds nicer. Yes, it, uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't really 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not certain. Yeah, it's a little bit difficult to tell. I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm really picking up on something that is aesthetic more, aesthetically more pleasing or whether it's just that I know that this um, sequence obeys the rules and therefore I've tricked myself into thinking that it sounds nicer. I'm not sure. But in any case, I mean, that sequence does obey the rules that bell ringers decided upon centuries ago. So it's, that, it's kind of pleasing from a combinatorial point of view. It certainly is. And um, a lot of people have commented on that. Um, this is a, mm -hmm. wow, this is a new problem I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah isn't it? uh, it's interesting, isn't it? And I was always um, aware that the combinatorics of bell ringing had been studied for uh, centuries, but it was really only quite recently that I started doing some more research into the history of this problem. And I've become absolutely fascinated by it for, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one thing is that, um, well, I, I became quite interested in this character named Fabian Stedman, who lived in the 17th and early 18th century. And he wrote an influential textbook on bell ringing. And it is clear that Stedman was solving mathematical problems. I imagine he didn't call himself a mathematician. He probably didn't think of himself as a mathematician. But if we look at it from a modern mathematical perspective, he was just doing combinatorics. He was clearly just setting up combinatorial problems and trying to solve them. So I think it's really lovely that somebody who never thought of themselves as a mathematician kind of preempted a whole branch of mathematics. I, yeah, I think it's, I think it, the, the mathematics of bell ring is really beautiful and, and quite fascinating. It is indeed. Thank you very much for putting that problem into my mind, but I like the bells yeah. ringing. <laughs> Good, on Absolutely. You, Good on you, Dylan. Thank you. Oh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk maths again another time. The mathematics of bell ringing. That's Dylan Mayhew from... Te Haranga Waka, University of Wellington.